Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. So this morning, I want to read these scriptures and I want to make sure that each and every one of you gets the impact of what we're saying. And so if you're a little tired this morning, if you're not dialed in this morning, I know a way to get us all to focus up. So in honor of those scriptures, I want us all to stand up with me, would you? If you have a Bible, you can use it. It's Genesis. That's the first chapter, verse 29. You can open up. We're going to start at verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. I'm going to put all the verses right here on the screen. Genesis 29.1. I'm reading out the New International Version. So Jacob went on his journey. Church, how many of us are on a journey today? How many of us know this is not where we're going to end up? That this is not our destination. This is not the place where we're going to stop. God is moving us through. Spiritually, he's taking us to another level. We are all on a journey. This is not where we are going. We have not arrived. Kingsway right now is the place for us to get to the next place. The bigger and better place. Spiritually, the Lord is doing something with us. And he came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked and he saw a well in the field. Jacob was on a journey. He had left his home. He didn't really exactly know where he was going. He was tired. He was exhausted. Of course he's looking for a well. What does a well represent? A well represents water. The man is thirsty. He's exhausted. It represents life. He needed it. It represented his blessing. God called him on this journey and was about to supply his need. And it wasn't just any well. It was a big well supplying for all the sheeps, all the people around. But there's a problem. There was a large stone at the well's mouth. You see, the well was being protected. Anything valuable, anything of value is worth being protected. We protect our homes, our children, our relationships. Everything that is of value needs to be protected. And so this well was protected of dirt and grime, so contaminants wouldn't fall in, so people wouldn't just abuse the well. And now, all the flocks would be gathered there and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place. It continues, and Jacob said to all the people around, brothers, where are you from? And they said, we are from Haran. And then he said, do you know Laban? And then they said, yeah, we know him. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. He found fellow shepherds. He was a shepherd looking for a shepherd. He's like, do you know my guy? Maybe you know my guy. Yeah, we know your guy. Oh, we're among friends. We're among friends today, are we not? We're among friends. We can talk openly and honestly. And so he was. And among friends, you know what happens when men get around other men? They give advice. Their egos get in the way. So he's trying to show his worth. He says, then look, it's high day. It's not time for the cattle to be roaming and gathered here. Go water your sheep and then go feed them into the pastures. Un solicited advice everybody loves that right that's what this guy was doing right here it's hot it's high noon it was running late they shouldn't have been out he's right the sheep would die if they're not watered he's right but with all good advice there comes an excuse in verse 8 but they said we cannot until all the flocks have gathered together until they roll the stone away from the well's mouth then we will water the sheep it's time for a debate but something happened. 
in verse 9. Now, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Something's about to happen. Something is more important than being right. How many young men in this room need a shepherdess in their life? How many, how many young women want a shepherd in their life? You see, God says that we are joint heirs, heirs and joint heirs with his kingdom, the king of kings and the lord of lords. We may call them prince or princesses today. If you're looking for a prince or a princess, look in God's flock. They're all among them. Verse 10, and it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, that Jacob went near and he rolled that stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock. You see, there was another well that became more important than the water one. It began to well up inside of him. Something he wasn't real sure what it is. Welling up inside of his spirit. Something began to rise up and single-handedly he took care of that rock. He took one look at Rachel said, oh, I know what you need. I'm going to give you what you need. You need some water. Your sheep need some water. Oh, I'm going to help you. I'm going to move that rock. I'm going to do it myself. Move away, shepherds. I got this. You want to know why this is a Valentine's Day message? 29 verse 11 then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept heavenly father Lord God let the word of God permeate our souls right now let this story get deep down inside and explain to us what you are about to do father God we encourage you we invite you father God we expect you to rock their world Jesus in your name we pray and the church says amen, amen. and amen you can see if you can Thank you, Jesus. Genesis 29. Anybody heard this story before? Yeah, it's a great story. But before I get into the specifics of the Word of God, we've got a question for you. i got a question. What is going on with these cards? When you came into church this morning, I hope you got a card. I hope you got a card. Now, i got somebody in the back right now. Does anybody sitting among us in this sanctuary, do they not have a card? If you don't have a card, raise your hand. I got one here, Mr. Jeff, Miss Shirley, anyone else? Got one back there, Mr. Mark needs a card, Mr. Frank needs a card, Miss Ruth needs a card. Bring, we've got cards over here, cards over there. Okay, everyone needs a card. And if you don't have a candy, do you have a candy? Everyone have a candy or did you eat it already? Everyone have a candy? You need a candy. You got one, you got one. So you need a candy, you need a card today. What is going on with the cards? Okay, we, over here too, Mr. Jeff. You just keep your hands up. You keep your hands up. Joe's coming up to the top floor to bring some. See, see, we think we're a small church, but look, we got so many of them, we can't even get cards and candy to everybody. We're a growing church, amen? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What's the deal with the cards? Well, look, it's February and Valentine's Day is coming. If you didn't know Valentine's Day is coming, you live under a rock and you need Jacob to come and move it for you. I tell you, Valentine's Day is coming. What is Valentine's Day all about? Well, we have lots of ideas what it's about, but ultimately it's about expressing your love for one another. Now, it can be difficult and painful for some. We get it twisted here in America, but all around the point of this day of love is to express your love for those relationships that you value the most. On the day of love, it occurred to me a couple years ago, this saying, and I want to remind you of this saying this morning. Something to get you all going this morning. A saying for this, this sermon that you won't forget. It's very simple. Those kids were saying it over and over again in their own words. 
But today we're going to coin it. Miss Angie knows that I know because Chuck and I would talk about it at length. But here, I'm going to throw it down on you. If you feel the love, show the love. When you show the love, then you feel the love. When you feel the love, you show the love. Try it. When you feel the love, and when you show the love, that's, see, it's so simple how it works. God has designed it this way. When you feel love inside of you, it should move you to have action. It should move you to do something. You should express that love and you should show it to those around you. Not just your spouse, not just your significant other, your children, your parents, your friends, your coworkers. Amen. And when you show that love, somebody's going to feel that love. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when they feel that love, they're going to show that love. And it goes around in a cycle. And this is what I want you to know this morning. The day of love, Valentine's Day, is about expressing love. It's about feeling love. It's about showing love. And if church is supposed to be a loving church, a loving place, then we better get this whole thing right, and we better not miss the opportunity on Valentine's Day to do exactly that. Amen? Are you with me? Okay, so what is the point of the card? Well, the first point of the card is that... There are some people here today who may not be getting a Valentine's Day card. They may not receive one on Thursday. Maybe because of all sorts of reasons. But God wants you to know that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved. God literally provided you a Valentine's Day card, probably very unexpected. In fact, the card in your hand right now is a card written by him. Inside it is his words, his scripture written just for you. And he's placed it in your hands. God has felt the love for you. He is showing it. And hopefully in this moment, you are feeling the love of God in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. That's not the only reason that you have this card. Now, this reason that you have this card, hmm, this is... Uh, this is not for you to take notes on. You see, the love that we share on Valentine's Day has all sorts of expectations associated with it. And so my Valentine's Day story, and I've shared this with a few of you a couple times, so I want, this is why I do it every year, to make sure that no one makes the same mistake. So... Valentine's Day a few years ago. My wife and I have been married you know, 20 years now. This was, this was maybe at the 10-year mark. And we had shared lots of Valentine's Days together, and they were really great Valentine's Days. And most of them involved me buying her something and presenting it to her, you know, gifts, jewelry, whatever, all sorts of things. So this particular Valentine's Day, I had the great idea. Again, don't take notes. I had the great idea that we were not going to buy each other anything on Valentine's Day. I said, honey, honey, I love you. You love me. We love each other. Let's not buy anything for each other on Valentine's Day. Instead, you know, let's go out and, I don't know, we'll do a nice meal or something. It'll be wonderful. You know, that'll be great. She said, probably reluctantly, okay. So we did. We went on a meal and we went out. It was a wonderful time. Just her and I, no cell phones. We spent time enjoying each other's company. We go home, we deal with the babysitters, put the kids to bed. You know, she heads up to the bedroom, I'm finishing whatever I have to do, and I'm closing out my night, and I go up to meet her there, and she's sitting already in her bed, pajamas on, and she's got that look in her eye. Come on, guys, not that look. The look at, like, Christmas morning. They're like, ooh, ooh, what am I going to get? What do you got for me? The, the, the pit in my stomach is baseball size now, right? Like, oh no. Oh no. She then proceeds to reach over to the side of her desk, 
little end table. She pulls out a drawer. She pulls out a card, beautifully, you know, decorated card. She goes, I want to read it to you. Oh, no. Oh, no. She opens the card. She starts reading it. It says, you know, something like, husband, you're so wonderful. Husband, you're a great father. Husband, you're a great man of God. And husband, uh, and this, this, this pit in my stomach is now the size of a basketball. Because I know what I have to, I know what I'm about to say. Ah, uh, honey, that's so nice. Again, do not take notes. I didn't think we were getting each other anything on Valentine's Day. I don't have anything for you. Funny now, not funny then. This was not the night I was looking for. She turns out the light. She rolls over. She puts the card on her desk and closes her drawer. Tears. Sorry, honey. Tears start streaming down her face. And she says something to the effect. <laughs> Not wow. <laughs> she, says, she says, a card doesn't count as a gift. You always give a card. I don't want any of you in that position come Thursday night. None of you. Nobody's running off to Walgreens or CVS to get a card at the dollar stand or, or whatever they got in their drawer. All of you have a card now. So men, women, if you need an extra card, go get one. You have that card. You, can, you don't have to write anything on it if you don't need to. Open it up. Say something nice to your wife. And look, men, you know, on Valentine's Day, definitely do something nice for your wife. Go take her out. If you can't take her out, make her dinner. If you can't do that, do something different that you wouldn't normally do. Women the same way. Look, we need to love each other on Valentine's Day. Amen? Amen. So I want everyone to have a card. So th that's the story of the cards. And as we get into this concept of love, I just shared my love story. It wasn't so good. But Valentine's Day sermons are generally about love stories. And I tell you, there are so many of them in the Bible. Probably this Sunday, pastors all around the United States are going to be sharing love stories from the Word of God. Most of them talk about Jesus Christ, the greatest love story of all. I could preach that message. Or we should date Jesus. I could do that, but I I'm not going to do that. We could look in the scripture and look at Adam and Eve or Abraham and Sarah. Or we can look at Ruth and Boaz, all famous love stories. You see, love stories are part of our DNA. You can't watch any movie today and not be a love story. Horror films start out as a love story. Everything, dramas, action. You can't even watch a comedy. I want to laugh. I just want to laugh. Why do you got so much drama? Why are there tears down my face in the comedy? No. Because love is part of everything we think and do. And notice in, in those movies, in one hour, you can find, you know, the mate of your life, solve all the problems in your relationship, and live happily ever after, right? In only one hour. Like, that's not how life works. There are two important components of any great love story. In my view, there is always an outward expression of that love, and two, a sacrifice, an intimate, genuine, sincere sacrifice. For that reason, it's obvious why Jesus is the greatest love story. But I want to, again, focus on Genesis 29, what I believe is one of the greatest stories in the Bible, Jacob and Rachel. I love talking about them. I've done many sermons about them. Here's just going to be one more. I think, I think everyone 
here, especially the women, every woman here would agree that they would want themselves some Jacob in their life. Who wouldn't want this guy? I mean, it was love at first sight. He was going about his business, doing his thing, thinking something else. And when he saw her, he became infatuated. He adored her. Instant romance. He said, you, you shepherds aren't going to move that rock? I'll move that rock. You guys won't do it? I'll do it. I got this vision. He's going to ripping off his shirt. Oh, I got you, Rachel. You know, move, you know you've seen the you know, world's strongest man. Ladies go. I mean, look, this was a huge, colossal rock. And I could see him just, I got you, Rachel. Watch me. After that, he followed down to his, her, her father, of which he had to learn he had to sacrifice seven years to get her hand in marriage. He said, whatever it takes, every woman here would want a man to submit that type of sacrifice, that type of commitment, that type of service for their hand. But look, Rachel wasn't always happy. They, they got married. Yeah, they did. And their marriage wasn't great all the time. In fact, there was competition in their marriage. There was problems with children. There was deceit, manipulation, thievery. Playing a favorite sin entered their marriage. But, well, look, I got to say this. You know why all that stuff happened? Because it's real. And marriage is real. And the Bible is real. And probably every one of us know exactly what I'm talking about. Because God wants to be real this morning with you. And let me tell you what else is real. They asked God to come into their marriage together, and God did so. He intervened in their marriage. She cried out. She couldn't have children. She was barren. She cried out. God was able to provide children through her. God didn't forget her. And it was also really, really crazy, right? Her father, there was all types of problems with her father. His father, his mother, her brother, his brother. It was a total Jerry Springer mess in their family. But they stuck it out. This is about how marriage, how relationships can still work out in the situations that are not most ideal or fair. Feel the love, show the love. Show the love, feel the love. Let me get you back on track for a second because this is not a message just about marriage. You see, the gospel is based on this story. God once felt love for his humanity. And so he showed that love by sending Jesus Christ down to this planet. Jesus Christ then grew up, learned to meet all of you, human beings. He fell in love with us and then he showed the love by giving his life on the cross for each and every one of us. In every story, you can see the gospel story of feeling love and showing love. It's everywhere. It's pervasive. But what's so obvious to me when I look at this scripture is that love is powerful. Love is powerful, and that powerful love should move you and me to action. Love should move you to action. Listen to this. I want you to hear this. If you're taking notes, you can write these notes down just like this. Find a way for your action to speak as loud as your desire. Find a way for your action to speak as loud as as your desire. In other words, if you love something, you protect it, you clean it, you talk about it. It's so obvious when it's a thing. When you love a person, do you treat it the same way? Often is the case, it's the opposite. We need our actions to line up with our hearts. He loves us so much that it should move us to action. Find a way your action to speak as loud as your desire. In this case, Jacob, he wanted to impress her. He wanted to move that rock. He did. 
Then he wanted to sacrifice for her. He went out and talked to her father about her hand in marriage. And then he said, okay, yeah, you're going to have to sacrifice seven years. And after that seven years, it was, you know, you got to go back and read this story. It's crazy, right? He said, I got a little, I forgot to tell you one little detail. In our culture, we have to marry the oldest daughter first. And Rachel has an older daughter, Leah, so you got to marry her. Give me seven more years, and then you can have Rachel. And so Jacob said, whatever it takes. And so he ended up marrying her, gave her that sacrifice. Because powerful love should move you to action, and nothing was going to stop him. Now, men, let me give you some advice here today. Now, I'm allowed to give some advice because you came to service. And you expect me to read the word of God, hear something, and share. Men in general, don't give unsolicited advice. People don't want it. Believe me. When they ask for it, then give it. But here you go, men. Here is the problem. We like problems because we like to fix said problems. Often is the case we fix that problem with our ego. We know what's right. We know how to fix it. And usually, especially as we get older, we like to fix, we use our ego with our words. You should do it this way. You should do it that way. You know, righty-tighty, lefty-loosey, lift with your legs. We love to give advice. The same thing happened here in this story. He became among friends, and he wanted to, give it, he wanted to show his worth. He wanted to give advice. Hey, look, you got to move the rock. Look, I don't know what you guys are doing. you got a late start. It's really hot today. The sheep are dehydrated. You can't just roam around like this. Water them, feed them, take them back. He was a shepherd. He knew what he was talking about. He was actually right. But something happened. The moment he saw Rachel, something happened. It was less about him and more about her. Instantly, he was more concerned with something else than being right. Men, there comes a time when it comes with love that we need to stop talking and start doing. Stop talking and start doing. Men, stop talking and start, look, they don't even like saying it. Start doing. Stop saying you're going to fix the garage. Stop saying you're going to do the dishes. Stop saying you're going to take out the trash. Stop saying X, Y, and G and start doing it. Amen. We got one newlywed. Yeah, let's see what you say in five years. He's got it. <laughs> Just like, amen, brother, back here. <laughs> He's like four kids later. Woo. Um, three kids. How many? I don't even have one, two, three. Yeah, four. Don't just give advice and empty words, but align your action with where your heart is, men. Amen? Well, ladies, ladies, you are not absolved. I got something for you. As I was thinking about this, something really obvious came to my mind. That giant rock on the well that I'm talking about, yeah, it was, I mean, it was colossal. It needed to be. If it wasn't colossal, passerbys would just come and push it over and take part, or animals would just abuse the well. It had to be a big rock. In fact, the shepherds here were saying it took two, three, four men, usually, to move this rock. And yet, yet this, this guy, Jacob, who's been on a journey exhausted, he was able to do it one fail sweep. How is that possible? I mean, this wasn't one of those supernatural acts where God told him to do it and gave him supernatural strength. How is that possible? There's a secret in marriage that I have learned. It's clear in this scripture. It's clear with those little kids who talked about it. And this secret is a fundamental truth in all relationships. 
It'll work with your children. It'll work with parents. It'll work with your coworkers, your friends. It'll work with students. And yes, it'll work with your spouses. When you want somebody to do something that they're not intending to do, you need to sweeten the pot. Show them something sweet. Show them something sweet. When we want someone to do something, show them something sweet. Husbands, when you want your wives to do something that they normally don't do, show them something sweet. When you want your kids to do something they're not normally doing, show them something sweet. Wives, when you want your husbands to do something they don't normally do, show them something sweet. You see, Jacob was on a journey. He had his mind on other things. He's trying to figure out God's calling and God's plan. He, he's trying to figure out his decision. He's trying to figure out what he's got to do and what to do next. And then look what happened. One sweet glance from Rachel. He's ripping off his shirt. He's got all this endorphins and testosterone built up, and he's moving that rock at all costs. And once he's got his hands on it, all us men know he's moving that rock at that point. No way. He, it's going. Brian knows what I'm talking about. I mean, I don't think Jacob was his side either. The sweetness inside him. Look, she gave him one sweet little kiss. And he gave her seven years of his life. And then when he found out the real deal, he gave seven more. Show him something sweet. Look, if you're a little bit nicer in the morning to the husband, to the spouse, a little bit nicer. Honey, I love our marriage. I love where we're going. Honey, I support you in the decisions you're making. It's a really great idea. Honey, I'm going to stand behind you no matter what happens at work. A little nicer in the morning. You may find out the dishes are done a little more often. The laundry may be put away. The kids a little nicer. The trash taken out. Sweetness is a way to show the love. Look, it's pretty simple. People don't like bitter people. If you're not sweet... You probably got a little bitterness going on. Help get that bitterness out. Wash away that nastiness. Wash away the fear, the uncertainty, the doubt, the pain, the desperation. The Lord wants to do something sweet for you. This story isn't just about our relationships with one another. It's, it's an example of how God wants to relate with us. He wants to do something sweet for you. Something sweet. Say something sweet. Now you got your candy, right? Unwrap that candy, pop it in. You can have candy, there you go. I want you to taste and feel something sweet as we're telling this message. You're allowed to eat in church. If you got the candy, you can eat it. Now you got the card, you got the candy, you know where we're going here. Some of you may be saying, I have no clue what you were talking about. Maybe you're not in a relationship like this. Maybe your relationship, you know, needs a little more help than what I'm talking about. First try the advice I have and then see if it needs a little more help. But look, let me break it down really simple. Everyone can understand in their mind this concept of love at first sight. They've read it about it in a book. You've seen it in a movie. Maybe you've experienced it in your own life. It's that take one look and the rest of your life is changed. That's what happened here. Jacob took one look at her and the rest of his life was changed. Here is the point church that God is trying to remind us if you want something sweet from God and you don't know his sweetness 
Stop looking all around at all the trouble that's going on and all the people who are being bitter to you. Find a place that you can be alone and seek his face. Put your eyes on his for a second. Take a glance and fall in his stare for a second. Feel his glory. Feel his honor. Feel his love and you will experience something sweet. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ today, I encourage you to pursue him and seek his face. And I guarantee you he'll show you something sweet. Amen? Look, God knows what he's doing here. There's another action that's taking place. You see, in that video with all the kids, you'll hear it's pretty simple, right? Every one of their descriptions about love involved an action. Every single one. Love should move us to an action. It should move the glance, the kiss, the moving of the rock, the servitude, all moved us to action. The kids expressed it over and over and over again. There was another action that took place here, and this one's really important. In verse 11, it said, he kissed her, and then he wept. Okay, okay. That means he cried. Get your head around that for a second. Generally speaking, men, strong men, big men capable of moving big rocks, don't cry. At least that's what they say. More specifically, they don't cry in public around people. And most definitely, they don't cry in front of women. And I can guarantee you almost 100%, they don't kiss somebody and then start crying. Unless, of course, she says, ew. Then maybe he would cry. I, 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 don't think, I don't think he was crying right after he kissed her. No. Right? I, I think some time passed on as they were traveling on their travels. And he had a moment to reflect on what's going on. And he wept. What's going on there? What's going on there? Let me break it down again for you. This man, Jacob, had a terrible family life. It was awful. He had to trick his brother into a birthright. He had to trick his dad into a blessing. He had to leave his land. His mom told him to run away. He was being chased down by his brother who wanted to kill him. He was going to a place he never knew about, looking for a man he's never met, traveling all this way. He's tired. He's thirsty. Terrible family life. He's saying... Well, let's go back and look at scripture, right? So he has a, it's terrifying. He gets exhausted. Before he gets here, he has a dream. That's right. He has a dream. He, he, he sits down at this place. He puts his head on a rock and he has a dream. And God speaks to him in an audible voice in that dream. And you know what God says to him in that dream? This is the famous Jacob's ladder dream. In that dream, God says, you are a great man, Jacob. And you're going to have great many descendants. And you're going to have a great land and a great family. And a reality begins to sit in. I have a calling God is calling me to do something. God is calling me to a new place. The reality is setting. I have a calling. And you know what happens when we get callings from God and when it's so obvious and so clear, like God is literally speaking to us? You know what happens? We get nervous. We get all anxious. We're like, whoa, whoa, you're going to want me to go somewhere I don't want to go, be with people I don't want to be with, maybe do stuff I don't want to do. I may not have the money for it. You may not provide for me. I may have to take classes I don't want to take. We get nervous. We get freaked out. And honestly, his family life was so bad. Go back and read some of the stories there. Manipulation, treachery, thievery, all sorts of things in their life. He's probably saying, if that's family life, I don't want anything to do with it. And now you're telling me I got to have this big family with all these children? You crazy. And he's walking on his journey now, exhausted and tired and thinking, what is God saying to me? What is God doing? And then he's looking for God's supply. 
He's looking for his need, his blessing. He comes across this well, and he sees that not only is he going to find God's supply, but he's going to lay his eyes on Rachel. And then everything made sense. I could see it in his head. Jacob's like, yeah, God, yep. I want in everything you just said. You want me to marry somebody? I'm going to marry her. You want me to have lots of kids? I'm going to have them with her. You want me to have a big family? Me and her. Lord, you said something about like the tribes of Israel go through me? Oh, we're going through her. That's the one. She's for me. You see what I'm saying? All of a sudden, the whole plan of God made sense to him. God knows the desires of your heart. He's not trying to make you live a boring, dismal, uncomfortable life. He's trying to put you in a position where he can give you so much more than you could ever give yourself. He wants to supply Rachel. He says, I know what I'm doing. And when he saw Rachel and then he kissed Rachel, he started crying like, oh my God, I figured it out. I want to follow you. Maybe one of you will figure it out here. You see, God's plan was perfect. He gave him a glimpse of his future. Some of you need to start looking around. Some of you are looking at how difficult your life is, how thirsty you are, how long the journey is, how there's a rock in the middle of your blessing and how you can't get to it. And you're wondering where God is. I'm telling you, move yourself to action and watch God do his miracle work. Amen? I got somebody excited over there. I got somebody excited over there. Yeah, there's one more. All right, let me talk about needs real quick. Pretty simple. God meets our needs, right? You see, we all have needs. Every human being, every soul under the sound of my voice has needs today. It's the way God designed it. We have to have needs because God wants us to need him. If we didn't experience needs, we provide for ourselves. We wouldn't need him. So we all have needs today. If you have a need, think about it in your head, whatever it is, and then I want you to say out loud, I need that. Whatever it is, say, I need that. Say it. So look, every one of you needs something today. Everyone needs something. God designed it that way. It's so basic. Some of you are struggling with all sorts of things. Maybe you're struggling with spiritual thirst this morning. Struggling on this journey that you're on. Struggling, where is God? Now that there's this rock in the way. And how many of you, how many of us are waiting for God just to move the boulder? There's my blessing. It's over there, Lord. There's a boulder. Just move it. You see, we got this, we got this twist in our head. Somehow we think that God is all we need. And when I say it like that, I'm like, of course God is all I need. Wait, 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 really? God is all I need. Do we say that in church? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, you know, I, I don't... I don't need church. I don't need friends. I don't need people. All I need is God. And, and God's up in heaven like, what, what? Really? Yeah, no, God, I don't need anything. I don't need any money. I don't need any food. I don't even need water. I don't need air, God. I just need you. He's like, are you crazy? There's a lot you need in this world. So you got the verses twisted. We get them in our heads. We don't go back and read the verse. It says, God has all you need. And he gives you all you need. And often he uses people to deliver the message. There are some needs God is not going to meet himself. Husband, wife, friends, people need to meet those needs. There are people around you that are going to meet your need because God sent them to do it. God meets our needs through those around us. Here's what I want you to say. Say, I got you. Say, I got you. See, this is a, a contemporary way of saying, here I am, I'll do it, I'll help. 
I'll do it. Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to help that person? I got you. What do you need me to do? You mean lift something, do something, help something? I got you. God wants to meet the needs and show his love, and often is the case he will use you to do it. How many need a boulder to be moved? They need help. Hey, Lord, help me move the boulder. Maybe you were a little smarter. Say, no, okay, I know the Lord's not going to move the boulder. I know I need help moving the boulder. And so you're like, Lord, send somebody to help me move the boulder. But you think that person that God is going to send is angelic, is a saint, is some supernatural human being. And because that person's not perfect when he sends it, you say to yourself, ah, no, no, I'm not going to get my blessing today. What do I mean? Maybe there's a preacher coming up here to preach. He's going to help you get your blessing. Nah, you're not perfect. You're not kind of preacher I want. I'm not going to get my blessing through you today. I don't need your help. The worship leader, I don't like the worship leader of the song today. I'm not going to get my blessing today. I don't need your help. Maybe the children's church director, I don't like the way you do things. I, I'm not going to get my blessing today. I don't need your help. Write this down if you're taking notes, church. I wrote it in my notes so I would not mess it up. Some may miss your blessing because you have not identified who God has sent to deliver it. Let me say it again. I'm going to say it real slow. Some may miss your blessing because you have not identified who God has sent to deliver it. God has sent people to deliver your blessing today, and since you have not identified who God is using, you dismiss them because they don't fit your mold, and you have missed your blessing, and your rock stays on your well. Meanwhile, Rachel came and went, and you're staring at the rock. God sent someone, you say, go away. Or even better, I'll wait on the Lord. You all heard the story about the man in the boat, right? I'm not going to tell that story again. There are those who intend to obey God and meet the, the needs of others that are here right now today. God is saying, I got you. My church, I got you. I'll send people willing to meet needs. I'll send people who need needs to be met. Amen? Amen. Listen, somebody needs to hear this. I know we're at 12 o'clock, but somebody needs to hear these words. Do not isolate yourself. Don't pull yourself out of church. Don't think he'll meet all of your needs in isolation. You need to learn how to lean on others. Don't click up in the smallest possible group you can have and then hide away. Bible says we are vessels meant to be emptied out so that he can fill us up. The supply comes from him. He fills up our vessels and then we are to distribute it out. And that is what the church is for. The church is a distribution center. He provides a supply. We pack like Amazon warehouse. He sends all the goods. That's church. We package it all up and we send it out as in our lives, the blessing and supply that he gives us. Church is here to meet the needs of each other. People are in this church right now who ask God regularly, how can I meet someone's need? And just as many people are in this church right now asking, God, will you send somebody to help me? And there are people right now, let me be real for a second. There are people right now in the midst of this sermon who are saying, today, Valentine's Day, this sermon, it sucks. I wish it would go away. I wish I didn't have to think about it. It sends pain through my body and through my history of my life. We need to identify those people. We need to show them love. We need to say, I love you and God loves you more. Don't worry. Hang in there. Tomorrow will be a better day. Look, you have the cards today. Hand that card to somebody. 
You're going to get your spouse a special card? Look, you don't even, you can close that card. You can write somebody's name on it and go hand it to somebody, somebody, a neighbor, whoever else. Hey, God wants to tell you he loves you. You don't even need to write a name on it. You can just write on that card for you, just for you. Find some stranger. Hey, God loves you. Give him that card. Happy Valentine's Day. God loves you so much more. Feel the love. Show the love. I got another point here I need to say. When we look at perfect people and we think of perfect lives and perfect churches and perfect marriages, it doesn't line up with Scripture. There was nothing perfect about Rachel and Jacob, nothing perfect about their marriage. It was a mess, and yet God chose to use them. There's nothing perfect about any of us, yet God intends to use us. Listen to this. Listen to this. You know Jesus Christ, right? Kind of a big deal. Everyone thinks he's pretty awesome, right? Look at his lineage. Anybody know where he came from? He came from the line of Judah. That was one of the tribes of Israel. Guess where the tribes of Israel came? Israel is another name for Jacob. They all came through Jacob. Jesus literally came out of the marriage of Jacob and Rachel, the two most imperfect people, the most imperfect marriage, and out of that comes the most perfect Savior. Your marriages aren't perfect. Your relationships aren't perfect. You don't treat everybody perfect. Great. Good. Recognize it. Identify your blessing. Fix it. Show the love. Feel the love. Feel it, and then show it some more. Amen? Amen. Maybe you get a hold of this. There are no perfect marriages. There are no perfect lives. And then we have this, my last thought here. Look, I get it. I get up here. I get all excited. I talk about marriage. I talk about relationships. I talk about love. I talk about these stories in the Bible. And then you go and you evaluate your week. And you go, hmm, my life is pretty boring. It's pretty routine. My life can look like this. Where is God? Why isn't my life exciting? Why aren't my friends exciting? Why isn't my church exciting? Why is God not exciting? Look, we may think to ourselves, I wake up in the morning, I barely get to brush my teeth or take a shower, I'm off to taking the kids to school. I'm right into doing the dishes or doing laundry. Maybe we say, I get up in the morning, I eat breakfast, I read the paper, I go work out, I go to work. Or I, I get up in the morning, I barely make it to work on time, I go through, deal with my boss all day, I come home, I work out, I eat dinner, go to bed, rinse, repeat, do it again. Life can get boring. It can get mundane. It can get routine. And you sit there and say, this exciting story you're talking about doesn't look like my life. Listen, listen to these words. They went to a well. It's like going to Panera Bread. Rachel did this every single day. She got up, she tended the sheep, she took them to the well every single day. All the shepherds went to the well every single day. Yet this day was different because she saw what God was doing. God will work through your everyday encounters to dramatically change it. The question is, will you even notice Will you look to the left? Will you look to the right and notice the people that are there? Will you slow your day down long enough to look somebody in the eyes and see the pain that they're feeling and say, I got you. I got you. It should be yes. You should go through your day at Panera Bread, at Chick-fil-A, at your work, and you should be saying, I got you, whether in your mind or in your words. You should be showing the love that God has expressed in your life.
That's what happened with Rachel and everyday encounters. That's what happened with Jacob and everyday encounter. But most of us don't even look. We're not looking left or right. We're going through our routine every single day. God is sending someone your way. Maybe he's sending someone your way to rock your world. And maybe that person is an angel. Maybe that person is somebody who's going to bless you. But more than likely, he's sending somebody your way so that you can step up and show the love to that very person. God is sending you to rock someone's life. Are you ready? Let's change someone's life today. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.